When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And I wasn't here uh, on Sunday to recap the Ravens loss. Probably a good thing, Cordell. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, it was a very uh, interesting day for me because I felt probably it, when they were up 31-17 and I still did not feel comfortable with that uh, lead and I felt like they were going to have a breakdown, and which they did. And, of course, here we are. The Ravens lose 33-31. to You and Tim obviously had a, a, a talk and y'all recapped it. So, um, I, you know, I don't really – I'm sure you, you guys – filled all the blanks in that Mm. I would have said anyway, you know, um, one thing that I will acknowledge though, is that first of all, I don't think we give Cleveland as much respect as they deserve, I think, but ultimately Miles Garrett is essentially what single-handedly in my opinion, what was wrong with uh, the Ravens offense on Sunday. I mean, he was dominant. He was all over the place. Um, And I think that that was a big part of why the Ravens just weren't able to do what they wanted to do. I did question the fact on um, our post-game show uh, with PressBox why he, uh, he meeting Todd Munkin, didn't have an opportunity to kind of move the pocket a little bit or actually run plays right into Miles Garrett, you know, like screens, draws, or whatever to kind of take his pursuit and use it against them. Um, but again, I'm not the offensive coordinator. So apparently they thought what they did was working and here we are with, you know, the Ravens losing that game. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, the tale of two halves, obviously going into the first, going into halftime and Cleveland looked like they were dead in the water. You got Watson who's limping off the field. He doesn't even finish the first half. Walker has to come out and throw the Hail Mary. Um, offensively they had done nothing to that point and second half even despite the Ravens coming out and starting the half with a nice drive and getting the touchdown Cleveland answers they just never went away Cleveland just never went away um they just kept fighting and I think the book is kind of out on the Ravens that if you are willing to be the team that is willing to play all four quarters you can beat those guys despite how dominant they may be for 49 minutes and 59 seconds. They, they, you know, the Ravens could be the best team. The Ravens didn't trail for a single second in that game and lost until I mean, the end. It's, it's, it's insane. And this has kind of been who they are. It's, it's kind of baked yeah. into the cake a little bit. So I, I just think, and, and that, and this is a lesson for everybody, just, 
finishing strong, continuing to compete, continuing to fight. You never know what can happen, but it's showing that the Ravens, and I don't think it's intentional. It's just something. They are just not playing 60 full minutes of quality football, and it's costing them. And um, Kadri Ishmael, I, I, I heard, um, did an interview, and he suggested, you know, he's like, well, we have to start questioning if if John Harbaugh is tied into this. And I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the conversation we're not going to have today because today is going to be a preview episode because we have to move on very quickly uh, because the Ravens play Cincinnati for Thursday night football. But I do think that that is a conversation that we're going to have to start having moving down the stretch. I don't think that this team um, is not listening to Harbaugh anymore. I want to be clear. I don't think that he's lost the locker room, but I do wonder how much of this um, is in ter- a coaching situation because this is not new. This has happened over the duration of Harbaugh's career, and I think that it's a conversation that rightfully should be had, um, and maybe we'll do that next time. But on to Cincinnati as we move forward um, to the Ravens and the Bengals in their next in-division matchup. And of course, we know that the Bengals lost at home to the Houston Texans, who have just really been on a roll. It's been fun to watch C.J. Stroud uh, do his thing in terms of just growing every single week. And D'Amico Ryans has really got a team that got their guys playing for 60 minutes because um, the Texans actually threw a pick late in the game and you thought that it was potentially over. And then yet somehow, some way they continued to fight back and won that football game. So Cincinnati comes to town on a short week. Uh, both teams are dealing with some struggles right now. Right. Um, especially in terms of a health perspective, the Ravens left that game uh, with Ronnie Stanley injured with Marlon Humphrey injured. Um, it appears that both injuries are day to day. So that's good. Right. Uh, but then also the Bengals are dealing with their injuries. It appears that T Higgins is unlikely to play again. Um, Hendrickson, their defensive end got hurt in the Texans game. I saw him grab his, uh, knee. Cause I was watching both games at the same time, sim- simultaneously on Sunday. And um, it appears that he potentially like hyperextended it and is also day to day, but you got us wonder if he's going to be available in a short week. Um, Sam Hubbard, their linebacker did not play uh, in Sunday's game at all um, against the Texans. Curious to know if he's going to be coming back. So there's, you know, this is the time of year Cordell that people get banged up a little bit and, and understandably. So, so, the, the issue now is that both teams are coming off of a loss and they're reeling and the Bengals uh, right now are at the bottom of the AFC North. So it feels like they're going to be pressing a little bit more as they come into M&T Bank Stadium on Thursday. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I really am curious to see how this game goes. I mean, um, both teams coming off a loss, like you said, uh, the Ravens left that Cleveland game with multiple injuries. I mean, you you finished the game with three backup offensive linemen in the game. Um, the good thing is that Kevin Zeitler wasn't on the injury report on Monday, so that that's a good sign for him. Um, we'll see with Ronnie Stanley what happens with him. We'll see if Morgan Moses can be active this week. I mean, he was a full participant on Monday, but that doesn't 
mean a lot. He was full, a full participant a lot last week and was inactive for the Cleveland game. And maybe that was in preparation for him to play this Cincinnati game. Uh, but I would imagine you'd want your both you want both your tackles for the Cleveland game over the Cincinnati game. But I'm not in the, those meetings, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. But I will say something's up with Morgan Moses. Something's up with him uh, because this isn't a guy that misses games. So for him to be a full participant and still be inactive. Yeah, that's something's weird. Up, something's up with him. Um, so just something to keep your eye on. Uh, I will also say with Cincinnati, I mean, look, no T Higgins is looking like this week again. Uh, he missed a game against the Texans. It looks like he's doubtful against the Ravens. Obviously, that helps them. But I don't know how much it helps them because, I mean, that offense is explosive. The, the Cincinnati's defense looks like a problem. And I'll give you credit for that. You were on the secondary all year. Um, I don't I, – I guess for me in this game – as opposed to the Cleveland game where it was kind of, you expected it to be the battle of the defenses and it turned out to kind of be the opposite. Um, I'm expecting this one to kind of be the battle of the offenses. I mean, I, I look at Cincinnati right now and um, yeah, they did lose that, that game to the Texans. Um, but that offense looks like they're, they're back to what they have been the last couple of years. I mean, Joe Burrow made some throws in that game, his mo being able to get out of the pocket. He's showing he's healthy now. Some of the throws he's making, I mean, he, he really looks like he's at the top of his game, but they're losing despite how well he's been playing. So um, I am curious to see what happens because both of these teams kind of need to right the ship right now, probably Cincinnati more than the Ravens do. And I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing for Cincinnati to be the more desperate team come Thursday night. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, listen, you know, they are pressing. They're going to be pressing. You know what I'm saying? And they're pressing with guys that are injured. You know what I mean? So that's the that's the issue as well. Um, if you I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch the Texans game uh, and, and Bengals game, but I did. They were blowing Joe Burrow up. He was getting hit. He had taken a lot of hits in that game. Um, so he was roughed up pretty well. I mean, obviously he got up and, and he appears to be fine. But now you're going four days later, you know, against a, a Ravens defense that, you know, likes to, to that has been good at getting to the quarterback for the most part this year. So um, that part will be interesting to see because, again, I mean, he was getting roughed up really bad um, in that game. So going into this game, uh, you know, quickly, we could talk about the fact that the Ravens' defense still ranked two after the, the loss to the Bengals, uh, excuse me, to the Browns, and the offense, um, and, and tar, I'm and I'm talking DVOA, I want to be clear. The offense for the Bengals is 13th. Now, I don't think, we know that that, it is what it is, it means what it means, because at the end of the day, you still have Joe Mixon to worry about, you still have Jamar Chase to worry about. Tyler Boyd is a guy that really was a threat, in, in my opinion, when T. Higgins is available. I feel like Tyler Boyd typically eats up the Ravens' Uh, defense because he's the guy that probably gets single coverage or no coverage at all um, a lot of times. So he was finding ways to get open. And Sunday's game against the Texans, they were using um, some tight ends. Wasn't familiar with those guys, Cordell, but uh, seen a couple plays um, by the, the touchdown that they had early in the game, I believe, was to, was to yes, to Irwin, was to the tight end. Um, so 
you know, they, they have weapons. And and although T. Higgins is not going to be there, it doesn't change the fact that Jamar Chase is still out there doing what he does. It doesn't change the fact that Joe Mixon does what he does. And as well as this defense has been, we can't deny that last week against the Browns, the run game was successful. The Browns were successful on the ground. And this was something that you and I have talked about a concern about, you know, the Cardinals game. Uh, the young running back that they had was kind of getting some yardages in. So, you know, you wonder, are they going to press and try to pass to try to, to get these quick scores or are they going to be more balanced? And, and that to me is the larger question in terms of what the Ravens will do defensively moving into this game. Yeah, um, I, I am curious to see how the Ravens go about defending the Bengals. Mike McDonald has historically had success against Cincinnati. I feel like we talk yes. about that a lot when they go into these matchups. Um, I, I just, I wonder, you know, just how much that is going to help come Thursday night. I, I don't know. I, I just don't really have any kind of pulse on what to expect because both of these teams are coming from different sides of the division, different different areas of the division right now. Obviously, the Ravens at first and the Cincinnati's in last, um, both coming off losses, and both have significant injuries right now. And we don't know what's going to happen with Marlon, if, if Marlon's going to end up playing in this game on Thursday. Um, but that'll be, a you know, something to watch, especially if he doesn't play. And now you're looking at um, – some of these other guys guarding Jamar Chase. And I've look, I've I've been on the record for saying I thought Brandon Stevens was the best corner on the team. So if if Marlon doesn't play, that title will get tested on Thursday night for sure if he's matched up against Jamar Chase. Um but look, I, I just think that this is one of those toss-up games, obviously. I mean the, the Bengals are a good team. Um I think that they're just not I mean it's tough to win in this league. The Texans are catching a lot of people I think by surprise right now. Um, and Cincinnati has been dealing with injuries to this point in the year. Um, the Ravens right now, are, is the defense going to give a better showing? I, I think that they will. Um, I think they show some uncharacteristic things on Sunday, some missed tackles, uh, a couple a of A lot of missed tackles, particularly yeah. at the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the blown coverages over the middle of the field. Um and against Cincinnati, if you look at it back when the Ravens have lost to this era of this of the Cincinnati Bengals, it's been poor tackling. Jamar Chase after the catch, Tyler Boyd after the catch, T. Higgins down the field. I mean, it's it, they've been killing the Ravens when they do beat them by taking advantage of the Ravens not being able to tackle in space. You think back to earlier in the season, the Ravens were really good at tackling in space. Patrick Queen probably had one of his best tackling days, tackling uh, 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 Joe Mixon in open space every time they hit him in the flats and stuff. Not a big day for Jamar Chase in that game. So um, I am curious to see how this goes. But ultimately, like I said, I, I, I think it's going to come down to which quarterback plays the best in this one. I think. Um, Joe Burrow has been heating up over these last few weeks. And Lamar, uh, I think Lamar has obviously had his fair share of good games as well. Um, I think he obviously wants to try to move on from Sunday's game as fast as possible. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it, you got to see who's going to take care of the ball because that's kind of been the Ravens Achilles heel um, this season offensively is just protecting the ball. If they're not going to take care of the ball against this team and give them extra opportunities, it, it could just really be a problem. Completely agree.
Let's flip it to the other side, Cordell. Uh, the Ravens offense against this Bengals defense. Again, they're banged up as well. They're missing their linebacker and Hubbard. Um, and not sure yet if he's going to be able to play this week, but he did miss the game against the Texans. He's one of their better players. Um, Hendrickson, again, got banged up at the end of the game against the Texans. And you already know how I feel about that secondary. Losing two of your really, really, really good safeties was always going to bode a problem. Um, so there is that. Going into this game, Ravens offense is ranked um, fifth in DVOA against the Bengals, 16th overall in DVOA. So there's some good things that we saw, you know, in terms of what this offense can do. But I think that the biggest part is going to be what, what they're going to be able to do at the line of scrimmage. And if I had to take a guess, um, we will not be seeing Ronnie Stanley on Sunday, which means that potentially you're going to have Pat McCarry um, at left tackle. We still don't know what the situation is with Morgan Moses because, like you said, he's participated fully but then hasn't played in games. So you you hope that he's able to play on Sunday. But if not, you got to assume a guy like Daniel Fa'alele is going to be the guy that's going to move at right tackle. Um, it, it's very important to acknowledge that because I do think that it is important that the Ravens find a way to get back to what it is that they're good at, which is you know running the football. You know, John Harbaugh was asked about Keaton Mitchell's role because we didn't see much of him at all. He had three touches. And after his initial response on Sunday's game, he did elaborate that looking back that they felt like that they that was a mistake on their end and he could have been more involved. But there was some trust issues there. You got to get the guy that's doing a, a good job, um, their thing. And I understand that the, one of the last times that we saw Keaton Mitchell was a play that went backwards. You know, they lost yardage on that run play. But honestly, Cordell, I blame that on the offensive coordinator. The Browns are a team that you don't do this east-west cutesy-cutesy run thing with. They're a team that you got to go straight forward with. And I and as I said in the last segment, Miles Garrett is a player that you got to just go right at him. You don't do this little cutie thing. And they also have guys like Zadarius Smith. Their linebackers are really good. You just can't do those types of trick plays or on run plays with with that type of defense that you're playing against. Now you could probably say that's a play that you could use and utilize on Thursday and probably should have waited until Thursday for that. Um, but ultimately I don't blame Keaton Mitchell for that play. I blame the offensive coordinator for thinking that was going to be successful to begin with. So, you know, I, obviously the keys of the game here are going to continue to, Find a way to run the ball. The offensive line got to get the push. They got to get the push. We've seen too many times early in the Seattle game, they were having problems getting push. Um, and then obviously they struggled a lot within the Browns game in terms of getting the push. Uh, so you've got to find a way to do that. But I definitely think it's important to find a way to get Keaton Mitchell involved because he is a dynamic player. Um, from a, a, a passing perspective, listen, Lamar didn't have one of his best games. You know, the pick, the, and I'm not talking about the pick that, that got deflected, you know, although that was not a good pass either because the linebacker was waiting in that moment. Um, he was he was kind of sitting there waiting, and that probably would have been a pick regardless. But the first pick that he had, uh, you know, a, a with was the Bateman, mm -hmm. was the receiver. You know, look, that that's a poor throw. Um, while he did throw the ball to keep Mitchell directly and, and the bread and basket and he just dropped it, the yeah. overthrow that was in the game today was also something that was glaring. This is a, an offense that, to me, 
has ebbs and flows. And that was going to be a thing with the, with every all the new moving parts. But now we're getting to the second part of the season where the schedule is not nice. And you have to find a way to have some consistency there. Yeah, uh, definitely not a banner day for Lamar on Sunday. He'll look to try to um, go away from that on Thursday night. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the drop by Keaton Mitchell, I think, is one that's been overlooked. Uh, because, uh, of course, it's easy to talk about the misses that Lamar had. And I mentioned them on the last podcast. I've been mentioning them all week. Lamar did not have a good game. Um, the, the, I was more ticked off about the interception that didn't count, the one that he threw in the end zone uh, where he was trying to hit Keaton Mitchell that ended up getting called back. That was just egregious. It reminded me so much of that Bills interception that he threw last year in the same exact spot in the end zone that ended up, killing the game for them when it was all said and done. Um, the, bomb, the bomb to Bateman, they got picked off. Yeah, like you said, that was just a poor throw. It was just a poor throw. I don't know why he and Bateman just can't get on the same page, and it's a shame because I think Bateman is ready to break out, and yet he's not getting – not only is he not getting many opportunities, but when he is, something's usually going wrong. Something's just usually going wrong. Jason Lockenfor of uh, Inside Access, he, I, I don't know the exact number, but he has a, a, a the QBR of for Lamar's career when he's throwing to Rashad Bateman, and it stinks. It, 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 actually, it absolutely stinks. So I don't. I, it's a shame because I think they're both very talented in their own right. I, I just, it just shows how much lost time they've had in Rashad Bateman's now year three. How those two guys just really haven't been able to connect as much as Eric DeCosta and those guys probably thought that they would when they brought Bateman in. Um, against this team, I would expect Lamar to have a little more success. Um, but it all boils down to who's going to be blocking. I mean, like you said, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think Stanley's going to be out there. Um, not that he's been great, even when he is out there, but it's a drop off from him to Patrick McCarry. It just is. It's a drop off if uh, Morgan Moses can't be out there, and you got to go from Moses to Farlele. That's a drop off. Um, so they got to get Keaton Mitchell more involved. And I hear Harbs, and I think that's just. I think that is one of the older coaches. That's something that they try to get, that they have to try to, uh, you know, get better at. It's tough for them to trust young guys. Harbs admitted it. Like you said, he admitted that they didn't, that maybe they felt like they couldn't put a certain amount on Keaton Mitchell's plate that actually that they're showing, that he's showing that they could. Um, but these are, you know, older coaches and older coaches always trust the veteran guys over the young guys. That's just the way that it goes. But right now when Keaton Mitchell looks like the the the, the home run hitter in this offense right now, I mean, it, it's him. It's him. It hasn't even really been Lamar and his legs over the last few weeks. It hasn't been the passing game down the field. It's really been Keaton Mitchell uh, over the last couple of weeks. So they definitely need to try to ride the hot hand. Um, and get him more involved, get Gus more involved. I mean, the run game wasn't great on Sunday, um, and I felt like that was one of the big issues why they couldn't really close that game out is because they couldn't run the ball the way that they really wanted to. And I think if you look at a lot of the Ravens' collapses in the fourth quarter, the common denominator has been them not being able to run the ball the way that they'd like. Um, against Cincinnati, I think that <clears> – <throat> 
again, historically, the Ravens have had success offensively against the Bengals. I, 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 the the only question mark I truly have is the is the trenches. Who's going to be blocking? Um, and can they hold their own against that Bengals front that can be disruptive? And we're seeing Cleveland obviously try to make up for that initial loss to the Ravens earlier this year. Best believe Cincinnati's going to do the exact same thing. I've, we've already stated that Cincinnati is probably going to be the more desperate team in this game. And I just, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing um, for the Ravens. I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know what to expect from the Ravens offense anymore. I, that's really what it is. <laughs> at least, at least with Cincinnati's offense, I have an idea of what I'm going to get. I, I know more times than not what I'm going to get with the Ravens. I don't know if, you know, Lamar is going to be on if he's going to be somewhat on. I don't know if the offensive line is going to protect anything. I don't know how Todd Munkin is going to call the game. Is You know, he has his moments where he's calling a, a great game, and then he has his moments to where it's just like, dude, what are you trying to do out here? So um, I, I just have too many question marks about this Ravens offense right now, especially on a short week um, and picking up additional injuries. But they did some things that worked. Um, you got to obviously get Mark Andrews more involved. Zay, Zay was more involved uh, on Sunday than he obviously was last week where he only had the one catch. Um, I think he'll be involved again this week. They've got to find a way to really start utilizing Zay more than they are, though. Zay has – he's not scoring touchdowns. He's got one touchdown on the year. The big plays – I mean, he's get he's got he got some chunk plays on Sunday, but this is a dude that's capable of bigger plays, and we're just not seeing it. I, I just it just seems like this offense kind of still has the lid on it right now, and they have almost. I don't think that they've hit their true ceiling, but it just feels like they have kind of capped out to where they can be at this very moment. I still think that they can get better, um, but they just seem to struggle to hit that next gear. If that makes sense for what this offense is probably capable of being. Absolutely. First quarter, they're the NFL's best point differential. Second quarter, they're the fourth best. Third quarter, they're the fourth best. And then fourth quarter, they're the sixth worst. That is from our guy, Jonas Schaefer at the Baltimore banner. So that tells you exactly what it is. Fourth quarter, they don't close things out. And that is essentially how they're ending up losing games. So that being said, how do you see this game going, Cordell? Do you have them winning this game? Do you have? Do you think that the Bengals are more desperate and they find a way to pull this one out? How's it going? Yeah, I mean, I I, I do honestly. I, I do think that the Bengals' desperation will possibly end up being their superpower, so to speak, um, in this game. And not that the Ravens. I think the Ravens will be desperate in their own right. Nobody wants to lose two division games in a week. Nobody wants to lose back to back home games, let alone home division games as well. You would be giving Cincinnati life uh, with this, with, with a win for them this Thursday. But I, I don't know. I just don't feel it right now with the Ravens and they're good at usually bouncing back. They're really good at responding after a loss. So I'm not making it seem like they don't have a shot, but something in my gut is just telling me that this is going to be the Bengals night. Um, I'm going to take the Bengals uh, 30 to 21. Um, I am going to 
take the Ravens here. I think that there's just the, the injuries that they have are injuries to very good players that are a part of what it is that they want to do um, on both sides of the ball. No T Higgins, potentially no Hendrickson. Um, Sam Hubbard did, did not practice as well. You know how I feel about that secondary. So um, I think that the Ravens bounce back and win. I do think it's another close game. I think that they uh, win 24-21. Um, but ultimately, I just think that the, the injuries sustained for the Bengals are more impact injuries than what the Ravens are dealing with because we've seen this offensive line already without Ronnie Stanley and they they've they've voted well in that regard hopefully you can get Morgan Moses back you've seen this defense without Marlon Humphrey he missed the first few games this season and hopefully you know they can bode well without him if he's not able to play so um, I do think that it's going to be scrappy I think that both teams are going to be trying to figure it out but I think that the impact uh, guys that they have are going to be more than what the Ravens are dealing with because they've already been without those two guys this season and they've had some success. So I'm going to go with the Ravens 24 to 21. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a toss up uh, type of game. Um, tough to really put a finger on it. And uh, yeah, both teams are definitely missing guys. Both teams have played, you know, without the guys that they're missing before it's, it's a division game. It just gets weird in general in division games. Um, Always short week for both of these teams. So yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think you can make an argument for either of these teams to win. So joining us now on the winning drive podcast, we have Lindsay Patterson from it's always game day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much for joining me, Lindsay Cordell couldn't be with us here. So it's just me and you, the girls, having a little girl time talking some Ravens and Bengals. I think sometimes that's necessary because girls absolutely know football too. So let's talk about this game on Thursday. Cincinnati coming in, lose to the Houston Texans. I know that was uh, a loss that, you know, it's funny because when you watch social media, uh, and you know, Ravens and Bengals fans are going back and forth since last week, and we're just completely forgetting about each other's games on Sunday. Lo and behold, the Ravens lose to the Browns. The Bengals lose to the Texans. Everybody's worried about Thursday night football just completely going over to the Thursday game. I don't think that that's necessarily impactful for what happened in either one of these games. But when you see the chatter, do you feel like that that wasn't the Houston Texans was an oversight by any chance? You know what? When you look at what C.J. Stroud has been able to do so far this season, I know a lot of people, not only rookie of the year, but an MVP candidate right now. He's playing like a top five, top ten quarterback. It's been really fun to watch with this offense and even on their defensive side of the ball. They had a lot of injuries coming into that game. They were a tough matchup coming into Cincinnati. They've only lost at Paycor Stadium twice in the last two years. Uh, they took advantage of it. He he went off on this defense. The things that the Cincinnati Bengals struggled with was in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. I think a lot of people looked at this game and they said, hey, that could be a trap game. Short week, you're playing the Baltimore Ravens. You lost to the Baltimore Ravens already this season. You need to win an AFC North game. So I think it's easy to look at that one as a trap game. But, man, it's it's tough in the AFC right now. Um, it really feels like anybody's game, and there are a lot of teams trying to get a playoff spot right now. So I think you could I think you can point at it a little bit as, as a trap trap game for them. And it's particularly hard in the AFC North because, as we know, it's the best division in football by a mile. So here we are, short week, Ravens playing the Bengals as they host Cincinnati for Thursday night football. One of the things that I think is something that the Ravens should be worried about um, is their run defense and how they've been vulnerable 
um, the past few weeks when it comes to running backs, whether it be guys that they know um, that can run like Ford in Cleveland or guys that they'd never even heard of uh, in Arizona. So obviously Joe Mixon is one of the better running backs in the National Football League. How do you feel like they'll utilize this, particularly since they're down one wide receiver with T. Higgins being out potentially? That's the million dollar question. I think a lot of Bengals fans would want to see more out of the running game. Um, you know, outside of Cincinnati, everyone sees how talented Joe Mixon can be. He only had 11 carries against the Texans. They really didn't utilize the run game. They like to pass the ball. I know they're going to be without T Higgins, but they have their guy in Jamar Chase. You get Trent Irwin. They've had a couple tight ends step up for them. Obviously, Jim, Joe Mixon can be kind of a running back receiver, uh, but that's what they're going to want to do. And that's what you're going to need to do to keep this Baltimore Ravens offense on the sideline. Uh, I'll be inter interested to see if they run the ball, but honestly, when you think they should run the ball, when they play the Cleveland Browns, they never run the ball. They throw it up even when Joe Burrow wasn't really 100% healthy in week one. I'm not expecting them to utilize the run game, to be completely honest with you. Mm, that, that's interesting, particularly since I'm telling you that the run defense has been a little vulnerable the last couple of weeks. So that, that part will be something that we'll watch for. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, as I mentioned, T. Higgins is doubtful to play uh, in Thursday's game. And in the past, Tyler Boyd has been what we like to call the Ravens killer. We did not forget 2017. You know, we remember that game. We also remember, you know, him being just an integral part of this offense when the defense wants to focus on guys like Jamar Chase, like guys like T. Higgins. So now that Higgins is out, from a passing perspective, what do you expect the Bengals to do against this Ravens secondary? Yeah, I think they got to utilize their number one guy. Um, obviously, if you were the Ravens secondary, your focus is going to be on Jamar Chase. That's Joe Burrow's guy. He always has been. He's the number one receiver on this team. I do think, you know, when T. Higgins is healthy, they have two number one receivers. But with T. Higgins, more than likely out with the hamstring on a short week. I'm expecting this game to be one where you just feed Jamar Chase. Uh, Tyler Boyd obviously coming off a huge drop in the end zone for the touchdown, but he's always come up big for the Cincinnati Bengals offense, a third down guy. He's the reason they were put in that position towards the end of the game to begin with. But for me personally, I think, you know, Jamar Chase, he wasn't listed on any injury report this week, which is huge for him dealing with the back injury going into Sunday's game. I think they're still going to try and feed their number one guy. And that's going to be. As they should. Yep. As they should, you know, because he is one of the best players, if not the best player on that team currently. Let's flip it to the defensive side of the ball. You got guys that we don't know as of yet the status of Sam Hubbard, but I don't believe he practiced. Is that correct? Hasn't yeah, no, yet. Okay, hasn't practiced yet. And then you have Hendrickson that I believe hyperextended his knee uh, in Sunday's game and is listed as day-to-day, -day, but you have to wonder if that situation is going to unfold in terms of him playing versus an offense who essentially is going to be, if I had to guess, without um, their left tackle uh, with Ronnie Stanley and potentially their right tackle with Morgan Moses. So how do you foresee the Bengals defense attacking essentially their weaknesses if their two starting tackles are out in this game? Well, I'll tell you right now, I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses for the Cincinnati Bengals is their defensive line. I know a lot of people want to point at the safety position when you don't have Jesse Bates back out there. You don't have Von Bell. And look, there are holes out there. But overall, the defensive line was brutal on Sunday. And Trey Hendrickson did play in that game. Um, but they still struggle with Sam Hubbard out. I felt like he was really underrated in that game because he could stop the run and put the pressure on him. But there was no pressure. Uh, CJ had himself a day. And um, you're going to have to see more out of Joseph Asai, Cam Sample, if they are going to be on a snap count for Trey Hendrickson. 
Hendrickson. I will say this for Trey Hendrickson. The guy is crazy. He played last year with a broken wrist and he was at practice tonight. Um, we'll see if he's full go or if he was limited, but I just don't count him out. He is absolutely insane. Uh, but their D-line still needs to see pressure, and it, it was really disappointing in that matchup against the Houston Texans. So I would say that's a weakness for the Cincinnati Bengals, even though they would possibly be going up against backup tackles. One of the things that I've been curious about and I had concerns with coming into the season was your secondary, particularly Bell and Bates that you just mentioned, because they've moved on and gone to other teams. What's your thoughts uh, currently about your secondary? I know that there's some youth back there. There's a rookie. There was Well, I believe he's a second player now, but there is some youth back there um, that you have. How have they held up thus far? You know, outside of the safety position, and I'll give Dax Hill credit, um, you know, it's it's really his first year in the safety position because his rookie year was sidelined because when you have Jesse Bates and Von Bell, you're not going to put him out there. You had the talent on the field. But overall, outside of the safety position, I've seen people like Mike Hilton really step up and have a turnaround season so far this year. You look at Cam Taylor-Britt, a lot of people want to say, this guy could have an all-pro season just with the way he started to play. Um, Cheeto, unfortunately, he's kind of still dealing with ACL injury from last year in October. Um, he hasn't been full go. And then rookie D. DJ Turner has kind of stepped up. He's getting burned a couple times on a couple touchdowns to Vaughn Diggs recently in that Sunday night football game. But overall, it's youth and speed, uh, but still still growing on, on the defensive side in the secondary. So, all right, it's time. Okay. How do we see this going on Thursday? First of all, do we think that this is going to be a better Thursday night football game than the last? One. Let's start there. <laughs> There's so much expectations going into this game that it's just going to be an absolutely amazing matchup. I sure hope so. And we have watched plenty of the Baltimore Ravens. It felt like the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens were playing each other about six times a year. When you look at last year, you get the two divisional games and you have the playoff game back to back. And then they see each other in week two. Um, it's been a close game for a while. And honestly, Baltimore it feels like they've kind of had Cincinnati's number, to be completely honest. This this Cincinnati defense has to find a way to put pressure on Lamar Jackson. Um, I felt like he's had a really incredible season. And, and I've said it before with, with his connection with the new offensive coordinator, his wide receivers are really stepping up for him. It's been a really fun offense to watch when you look at the Baltimore Ravens. That makes it really tough for the Cincinnati defense who really can't stop the run and, and get that pressure. Um, so that's going to be huge. But I'm, I'm, I'm a Cincinnati person. I'm, I'm, I know I'm coming on the Baltimore – Baltimore Ravens podcast, but I think it's going to be a close game, 23-20. I'm not mad at you for that, of course, because, you know, sometimes we, we got to be a little bit optimistic. I won't call it biased. I'll say optimistic. I tend to not wear purple glasses, so if I feel that the Ravens are going to lose, I will tell you that I think that the Ravens are going to lose the game. Um, and in this case, um, I definitely think that if there was help, more health from the Bengals, if they had a T. Higgins, if they had a Sam Hubbard and, and Trey Hendrickson, I think I'd be more inclined to pick the Bengals um, because the Ravens obviously already won the first matchup. I'm, I tend to believe that, you know, teams that are good tend to split. So then that would have meant that the Bengals would have won the second matchup. Um, but I am concerned about who is going to stop the run, which has essentially uh, been a struggle for the Bengals. Um, this season without, you know, Hubbard, which is one of their best defensive players. And we still don't know what Hendrickson, although based on what you've told me, he's probably going to play on Thursday anyway. Um, but ultimately, uh, T Higgins to me is the X factor because again, you know, Tyler Boyd has done so well against the Ravens when T Higgins and Jamar Chase are on the field. And it, to me, that's one less person that they have to worry about. So I also think this is still going to be a close game. 
um, because it always is. It's never a blowout. I don't care who plays, who doesn't play, whatever. You know, Joe Burrow had one leg almost in that first game, and they only lost by three points. So I see this again. I think that this is going to be a good football game. I think it's a low-scoring football game, but I'd also say um, 24-21 Ravens. So I think it's going to be – which means that they don't cover because I think that the – I think that the line is three and a half. So it I mean, is. If you're in the betting business. <laughs> you're in the betting business. If you're in the betting business, I would I would take Mark Andrews um, over on his receiving yards. To be completely honest, just the way he always eats with this team, uh, I would do that. And I just it's gonna it should be a fun matchup. I think it's gonna be a defensive matchup, even though the Bengals defense um, is dealing with some injuries right now. But no, I'm excited about it. it should be a really good matchup. And obviously, uh, the AFC North is just absolutely wild this year. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. And tell everyone how they can find you. Yeah, I'm over there on uh, the social media world. I tweet way too much. Um, at Ellen Diaz Patterson, we have the podcast. It's always game day in Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, just, just tweeting away about the Bengals. Thank you so much for joining me. And of course, from Cordell, who is not here, to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.